Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am so excited that you're about to listen in on another episode of the Made Possible by podcast. I wanted to take a quick second to let you know exactly what we do. Made Possible by makes giving easy for community-minded businesses and provide a more effective way to share their stories of good. Now let's jump into the podcast. We want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Strategic Hype. When people ask you about your business, what do you say? How do you describe your products or services? Are you selling yourself short because you just can't put it into words? You're good at what you do, but it's not always easy to communicate how you're great at your work with simplicity. But now you have help. My friend, Andrea at Strategic Hype, will help you clarify your mission and communicate your value with a hype kit. This process will help you cut through the noise and share the best of what you do. Made Possible by recently brought Andrea on to create a hype kit for us, and I am so excited to see it based on other things I've seen her do for small businesses, large businesses, nonprofits, and churches. For details on all the good stuff you get out of this hype kit, email Andrea at strategic hype.com or reach out to us directly at madepossibleby.us and we will get you connected. Welcome to the Made Possible by podcast where we have conversations around good with community-minded individuals. We hope that today's episode inspires you to go out and do good. Hello, everyone, and thank you again for joining us for another conversation around good. I am Tracy with Made Possible By, and we love to make good loud. We love to share stories of good from around the world, uh, especially in today's world. We love to hear good stories. We need to hear good stories because we believe when you hear stories of individuals, organizations, businesses that are connecting with their communities, that are choosing to give back, that inspires you to go out and do your own version of good. And I am honored today to have my guest. Uh, seriously, I I came across Karen's name. We were both on a podcast. Um, I don't know how to improve your podcast uh, seminar. And I saw her and I, I saw the name of her podcast and I thought, oh gosh, we have got to connect. <laughs> Having no idea that she is this total wheel in the world. She is a celebrity out in the world. I didn't have any ideas. So, and then when you responded to me, and then I started digging who you were, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. So, um, wow. Karen Sullivan. No, yes, she she is our guest today. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Karen, in case you were like me and ignorant in the world. And you're probably one of the four people like me who didn't know who she was. But Karen is a two-time breast cancer survivor. Um, she is the founder of Pretty Wellness, which is a healthy lifestyle company focused on creating content and programs to motivate people to thrive in their lives. She's also an author, best-selling author. Her book titled Happiness Through Hardship is a guide in a journal for cancer patients and their caregivers. She also hosts a podcast under the same name where she shares inspiring stories of people who have found happiness through hardships of cancer, autoimmune diseases, infertility, COVID, parenting, job transitions, and more. 
professionally, she spent 20 years working in the world of sports and entertainment, largely with Disney and ESPN. I'm sure there's some really good stories there. Um, also, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, she's been a guest on the Dr. Oz show, Hallmark Channel's Home and Family, Wendy Williams show, and she's a regular contributor on WTNGTV. Uh, it's a lot, a lot. She's got a lot going on. Um, Karen lives in the Northeast with her husband and her 12 year old son, who she just showed me this beautiful picture that he made for her of all the, the collage of pictures of him. To the, you want to show it to us real quick? Sweet, sweet boy. Look at that. I'm telling you, when boys come up with that good stuff, we need to celebrate that. Um, and she loves power walks on the beach, which I'm so jealous that you live by the beach. I'm a beach girl. Uh, green juices and watching MLB TV um, with her family. I'm a baseball girl. So um, before we Who's jump in. Who's your team? Um, I, well, I'm from Colorado, so I'm a Rocky. Rocky's fan. Oh, yes. But Daniel and Arenado left. I know. My husband is lamenting. He's like, we're totally following. Did he go to the Yankees? Where did he go? No, he went to St. Louis. The Somebody else yeah. went to the Yankees that he loves too. And so DJ LeMayhew probably that's it, that's maybe it. a few years ago. And he's yeah. playing awesome for the Yankees. I know. I know. So. He's been lamenting that for quite a while. Yes. So I just love baseball. I don't care who's playing, who it is. I, I love the Cubs too, just because we, we like to travel. My, my, one of my boys plays baseball. We like to hit different ballparks. And I had a blast when we went to, to the Cubbies. <laughs> So who knew that this was going to be a, you know, a connection here as well. My son, he's 12, but he loves baseball. Same thing. We were, you know, until COVID, we were trying to do a few yeah. stadiums when we could. My husband yeah. loves baseball. So it's, it's been, and as you can tell, I know a lot about it now because yes, it is do. the language of love in my family. Mm. So I've learned, I've learned. Okay. So who's your team? The Yankees. The Yankees. the Yankees are okay. our team. Okay. So, but I'll tell you a little known fact is I grew up in the Midwest. I am a Minnesota girl. Okay. And when I married my husband, he was kind of joking, but said, you know, you can't be a Twins fan anymore. If you're going to marry, marry me, you need to be a Yankees fan. So uh, I, it just, I, whenever they play the Twins, I think my heart is a little bit still with Minnesota, but yeah. I guess I'm a fair weather fan to say that, but my husband and my son are, are hardcore Yankees fans. Yeah. And, but the truth, like you said, they love baseball. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. If baseball's on, we're watching it. That's exactly yes, right. Yeah. So right. the Yankees uh, the year that my son got completely into baseball, the Yankees were, won the world series. And so oh, 2009. Yes. So we, um, we block out the world series week every year. And so that's just what we do. We make no plans, uh, during that week, we just watch it. So anytime the Yankees are anywhere kind of close to us, we try to go and, and take it. We took them to the Rangers a couple of years ago to watch them play the Yankees. And so they're kind of that team that the rest of the world loves to hate. Right. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't get that. I don't get that at all. When we went to the Cubby stadium the week before, maybe two weeks before we had just gone to St. Louis. And my son wore his St. Louis cap at the Cubby Stadium. And and we had no, I, I had no yeah. idea. I had no yeah. idea. And these grown men were flipping his hat off of his head. This little I mean, nine-year-old boy walking through the stadium. Uh, and then oh. we, were, we were down by the um, bullpen. And they were warming up. And 
you know, the kids always throw up their glove, throw me a ball, throw me a ball. And they looked at my son to throw in the ball and they saw his St. Louis cap and they were like, what's up with that? I was like, we were just there. They were like, okay. They still threw him the ball, but there's there's something there's loyalties the rivalries are through and through where I live I live in Connecticut and Connecticut is like we're two hours from Boston and we're at wherever you live in Connecticut an hour to two hours from New York and so and with traffic you know you could be 10 hours so you've got tons of Red Sox fans here from Boston you know that love Boston and tons of New York fans so the rivalry here is really strong and Right. So okay. it's fun. This is so fun to chat with you and to kick off this wonderful Seriously. interview. I love, I love it. I want to go to see the Green Monster. My my uh, husband took my oldest son years ago, but I haven't got to go yet. So I want to hit the well, I think the we went to do a tour when they weren't playing with my son. My son's been to Fenway, but he has not actually been to a game. I went, I was working at ESPN when the um, Red Sox were in the World Series. And so I actually, I did get extra tickets, which that doesn't always happen, Uh, but they're always last minute. And I had to call my nephew and he was young. He was probably like my son's age, about 11 or 12. And so I had two extra tickets. I was able to give my brother-in-law and him and they met me up. At oh, and so that was, that was pretty amazing. Again, things like that don't always happen, but when they do their last minute and it was, yes. it was a memorable experience, even though I was there in Boston. Yes. Even though you were at the right as a, as a Yankees fan, Yeah, as a Yankees fan, that's like, yeah, you don't. Yeah. There's that's very, very deep. <laughs> between those two teams right there for sure for sure okay so tell us something I just tell, told us a whole bunch of things about you tell us something unique about you and something that made you smile or brought you joy this week oh I love that question so unique about me I mean we all have our stories right everybody is unique in their own way I love to share that I have, I'm the girl who's been wishing on Penny since I was a kid. And the funny thing is, is it was never that I wish for this. It was always, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. And it it wasn't like I wasn't happy. I I was happy. I was happy. I was a kid. And so to this day, I'm still like that. When it turns 11, 11, my son will will text me like, it's 11, 11, mom, we'll make a wish. Uh, I see a penny. I wish on it. I've always been somebody that mm. has found little things in life make me smile. Now, mm. as I've evolved and I, you know, embarked on my entrepreneurial journey and started doing all this research, and then experienced it with my own storied health history, I now know that those little things can fuel people, shift their energy, and and help make you know ignite a better day, perhaps, or help mm. heal. And so it's funny that it really all started when, when I was little and I just, I just wanted to be happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a choice though, right? I mean, sometimes I do you believe have to, that. yeah, absolutely. You have to say, I'm going to choose in this moment to. Yes. Do yeah. I, I do I've, been, that. I've been reading this book on brain science and it's talking about how um, three times a day. Well, first you need to write down these moments in your life that brought you joy Mm-hmm. And, and just make a whole list of them. And then three times a day, stop and spend up to, if you can, five minutes focusing on that story. How did that make you feel? What was the emotions in that moment? And it just helps raise your daily joy level in life. And so you're and and then when hard things come, you're already up here. Right? You're and, not and, 
I, I love that. I've, I've read a lot about the rewiring of the brain, right? And that's what I think you're talking about is that mm-hmm. this that's a tool that the mm-hmm. author is giving out there about how people like, we know that we should this or should that, but stop the shoulds and do just a small step that can help you connect mm-hmm. better and make this a practice, which makes it more easier to do. Yes, exactly. And then it's just a normal normal everyday thing. Okay. So tell us about your cancer journey because two time, that's huge. That's huge. So my cancer journey started three months after my husband and I got married. It was 2004. We felt a lump. And so I always went to the doctor. The doctor always told me I was okay. And that's what I thought I was doing. But lo and behold, we found a lump and found out it was stage 2A breast cancer. So I was 31. While it came out of left field, I'm a good patient. I always have been. I followed the rules. I did what they told me to do. This is 2004. So while we all had the internet and email, we weren't as connected as we are like with our phones, right? So when they told me not to go to the internet, I would see things I didn't want to see. I didn't do that. I followed everything they told me to do. And the beautiful thing is, is I was a good patient. I had 16 weeks of chemotherapy. I had a bilateral mastectomy for those that know the cancer surgeries. And I ended up getting reconstruction as well. So the whole process, I think my my life felt a little bit more normal after about a year. Although though it, it probably took a few years till all the surgeries were done, I jumped right back into my old life, which was one that I loved. I loved my jobs. I worked largely in sports entertainment and media, and that was fun for me. It gave me this sense of confidence, like, I can do anything. I beat cancer. I can do whatever it might be. So the other uh, part of the story that's really beautiful is that a lot of times when people are young and they have chemotherapy, they aren't able to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I was a statistical success story for the hospital that I went to. I was able to have a baby on my own. And the challenges for those that are not able to have babies on their own, there are not as many options to try naturally, so to speak, naturally. And so, and while there were other options out there, I may have gone down that path. I was very lucky and very blessed that I was able to have, um, have a child. So we call Kyle, my miracle, our miracle baby. Uh, But fast forward a few years after that, I found out around my 40th birthday that the cancer had come back and now it was stage four. And while Mm. now looking at it, there is a 30% chance if you have early stage breast cancer that you will get a reoccurrence and it will metastasize. However, I didn't know that. And nor in some ways, I'm glad I didn't know it because I lived life still going to the doctor, still trying to focus on living life. But it came back and it came back stage four. And at the time, all I knew was that people with stage four died and they died quickly. And so here I am, the mother of a five-year-old. It was truly the day I found out. And sometimes I'll go into detail when I do motivational motivational speaking or you know in the book in the, in the podcast whatever it might be I will share the worst day of my life and that was the day I was diagnosed with stage 4 however because I told you the way I I grew up I was always somebody that radi- that, that just fueled myself with positivity I 
found that even with the stage four and even the first time around, I, I call it this morning without care. You spend a few days after something horrible happens and you need to mourn without care. You need to do, you need to know it is okay not to be okay. But as a cancer survivor, on the most part, you have to make it, you have to do something. Now, I guess you could cho- choose to not do anything at all, but I think a lot of people probably choose they want to do something. And so I only had a few days to mourn without care, to just do whatever I needed to do to be upset. And with the stage four, I felt like feeling sorry for myself and crying my eyes out and not having hope was really hard for me. And so that was kind of my entree into now my entrepreneurship, where is I had to take everything off my plate. I, my doctors, my husband, I was in grad school at the time were like, no work, no, not that I probably could have made it happen, but my husband and I had a real heart to heart where it's like, I was, um, I had been a workaholic and I had been very much somebody who loved what I did, loved my grad school program. I was going to try and be a superstar in whatever I was doing. And now I needed to be a superstar in my cancer life. And so I jumped in. I, not just the treatments, but doing all the research, who was thriving with breast cancer or any cancer and what were they doing to be well? And so that was where I started to learn a lot about re, about the research beyond wellness and how we can take care of ourselves. And that's how Pretty Wellness was born because I had all this information and I wanted to share it with the world and not just the cancer world, because I mean, that's important, very important. But I will also say for some people going through such turmoil with cancer and treatments, they may not want to take the path I did, and that's okay, but to know it's there. Uh, but I was also doing this for the people like me that were working in a corporate career or in grad school or just a busy mom that just didn't have time to take care of themselves to show them how taking small steps could really help them not only like feel better, but also look better, have more energy to do all the tests that they wanted to do. So it really has become a passion of mine to share this message as well as that of positivity and resilient with as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I so appreciate someone who's gone through something like you have and to have a positive attitude about it. Uh, I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with an organization called Cabot Kids and they uh-huh. do camps for uh, terminally ill or chronically ill kids. And they just shared story after story of kids who chose not to play the victim, right? Chose and to go kids. out there. Yes, kids. These little kids who right. would still just not focus on me. Like there's one at one camp, there's a cancer patient watching a dialysis child go through dialysis and be like, oh, wow. There are worse things, you know, and there's debate on who, you know, what situation right. is worse, you know, but right, just the right, fact right, that right. they're not, I'm the worst. This is so awful. You know, anybody who can have an other centered perspective is, is inspiring. So thank you for choosing that route. Thank you. Thank uh, you. It, so, it just felt right. well, yeah, for sure. It feels way better to, you know, yeah. be on the positive side, right? It, they both take work, right? You can choose to stay down and depressed, or you can choose to look at the bright side, but they're both their choice right. and they both take right. work. Right, right. Okay. So your book title is called Happiness Through Hardship. So tell me, and you just, you talked about it a little bit about how that came out, 
I love that cover, by the way. Thank you. I love this cover too. And I'm actually, I'm really proud because I worked with a design, a graphic designer. It wasn't even the publisher. It was us. It was her. She gave me 14 uh, options. This is the one I like the best. And so we went with it. So how it came about, honestly, and I tell people this Whenever they're going through a hard time, I believe that tapping into some sort of creativity can be cathartic. I, For me, it was journaling. My very first diagnosis, I had a journal. It was actually my husband's journal uh, that he, he had just like, <laughs> and I, I took it. He was probably using it to do work stuff, but it was sitting there and I scribbled this big scribble. Like that was my entry the first day. And then through, it wasn't so much that I had this idea I was going to write a book. It was cathartic for me to write it out. Then years later, when I started writing and decided I wanted to be able to give back, there's so many reasons I wanted to give back to the cancer community. I, I think I get a lot of calls. The hospital will give out my name to people who's somebody who's young that had cancer. And I listen. I think that's key wherever you are. If you're a cancer survivor talking to somebody else or a friend or a family member, sometimes you don't have the solution or need the solution. You just need to listen. And so I did a lot of that. And I thought like, this can't scale. I can't possibly talk to every single person. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and the, but the other thing that happens is, is a lot of times the friend, it's not even the cancer patient or the caregiver calling you. It is the friend that calls you and says, Hey, Karen, I want to talk to you, my friend, what should I do? And so this book is a, an hour and a half read. You know, it may be an hour, 45 minutes. My goal was when I spent that first day after I was diagnosed in Barnes and Noble, every book that there was, there was really thick. Mm. And I wanted something that was covering tidbits about the state, like the stages and the process you go through. Yes, I frame it up with a story that came from my experience, but then I go into resources and tips for people. And so this isn't my memoir of hitting stage four. I, I don't barely talk about that. This is upon diagnosis and then going through the process. And I try and have a little bit of like, yes, it's deep, but yet one of the chapters is Google's not your doctor, right? It's, it's, um, I, I'm trying to help a person. Like I found that when I was first diagnosed within the first, say, six months, I didn't necessarily want to hear somebody else's story. I wanted a little bit for inspiration, knowing like I can do that too. I can have hope. I can do this. But if, if I got too in the weeds with it, I was like, oh, I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way. I don't relate. And so my goal was to provide a little bit to, to connect, but then also give tips and suggestions. Here are some resources. And then the second half of the book is there's journal pages mm. and there's note taking because how many times do you go, you, you want to have questions that you might ask a doctor and you print them off the internet or you have them on your phone and you can't find it. And, and so it's in the book and then there's a note taking and journal part. So again, to me, this was the gift that can keep on giving. People want to help out a friend when they've, they're diagnosed. And so I wanted to do that. And then the second half of it is I wanted to be able to give back to metastatic breast cancer research, knowing that that is completely underfunded. There's so many research organizations out there that are wonderful. 
I happen to be a board member of the Cancer Couch Foundation, and their sole purpose is to provide funding to two state-of-the-art research labs, Sloan Kettering and Dana-Farber, focused on metastatic breast cancer research for the near future, which all of that is pretty huge. And they also will, there's an anonymous donor that will match whatever I might give. So for every book that's sold, half will go back to the cause. And to me, it's so near and dear to my heart. I know that there's research going on there for all types of cancer, and they're closer to having better treatments. They're finding better treatments, right? So this book is not just a gift to the person who is receiving cancer that that needs it, but it also, with every purchase, half of the net proceeds go back to metastatic breast cancer research. So it means a lot to me, and I think it means a lot to others as well. So that's my story with Happiness Through Hardship, the book. So I love that you made it a short read because, right, it can be intimidating and not everybody's a reader, right? I mean, not everybody enjoys that at all. And that you made it not just for the person who's dealing, who's the patient. And I think that that is important because my husband was touched by cancer. And I will tell you, he came home from work a few years after my initial diagnosis And he told me that somebody in his office was diagnosed with breast cancer and that he shared with her how we were touched with breast cancer. And I gave him this look and I started crying. I'm like, of course we had breast cancer. Like I maybe had, you know, the, the disease itself, but he was there with me every step of the way. And so I think it's important. And again, many times I get the call from the caregiver. So they're the person that I'm talking through or their friend. And so I think it's important to share this knowledge because everybody can help support the people that are touched by it. Oh, I just want to hug your husband that he had that perspective. That is so sweet. We, yeah, well, what a team. I, I, I will tell you. So I know we'll get to it, but we I did a podcast episode with him about caregiver support. And I called my mother after. And there's one thing that I was like, listen, mom, don't be upset that we said this about you because (laughs) my mom's wonderful, but you know, not to give the spoiler with it, but we did not want her to come and sit when I went through my original surgery, because my husband is more of an introvert. My mom would be, you know, nervous, of course. And so my sister came, she didn't come. That was the spoiler there. But the things he said, I almost forgot because it was 16 years ago when it all started. And I was like, wow, it was really beautiful. His thoughts from a caregiver's perspective. So that was, you know, hopefully helpful for other people going through it. But um, yeah, but it wasn't, again, I was, I was happily surprised to kind of relive some of those thoughts and moments. Yeah. I like that you have the journal section in the back because I am always writing things down and here I've got my, this is my, my yeah. podcast notebook, so I can take notes. So I write when I release your cast, I remember some good things that you said, but you can't always find it, you know? Right. So that's brilliant. Right. That's brilliant. I love that. I love that. So tell me about the evolution from book to podcast. To podcast. I, I get right. podcasts. You need content all the time. Right. So what happened actually is when the book came out, I had 
a mini book tour. I went to a few different cities and those could range from like big event where you're doing a like, you know, tap dance and sharing my story and that to meeting in the library section, uh, or I don't know if they call it the library section of a Barnes and Noble or, uh, you know, it's always interesting. I, I love those events because you just never know who's going to show up. And I had a few people come to me and, and not just one. And I think that's where it hit me is that they said, I read your book because so-and-so is diagnosed with cancer and I'm close with them. However, I just went through a divorce. I just went through some sort of hardship. And so much of the nuggets of information that you shared were really helpful and inspiring to me. And I thought, wow, my husband who works in digital media always said I should do a podcast because it's easy for me to talk, as you can tell here. (laughs) And so I always planned to do it. I just wasn't really sure. Pretty Wellness was was the company I started. It's always been about taking small steps towards healthy and happy living. And so I thought maybe I would be talking about wellness and which I, we still do a little, but not necessarily focusing on the happiness part of it. But the funny thing is, like I said, I'm the girl who's been wishing on pennies my whole life. And sometimes I think as an entrepreneur, what I stumble upon is, but this is me. This is who I am. Yes, there's a skill to it. Yes, I've taken in different practices that have helped me be a better business person or a better podcast host or a better media correspondent, better writer, whatever it might be, better speaker. But it really is who I am. And so hearing that feedback and knowing that I wanted to do this and then the book being out, it's great for branding purposes to make the evolution of the brand happiness through hardship. Yes, the book is about cancer. The book is how I serve serve service is a better word, um, service and help my people, cancer survivors or those who are getting touched by it. But the podcast is meant to share all sorts of stories because we all go through hardship. And the woman who shared her journey, she just got diagnosed with ALS. Her story is so inspiring and how she connects with positivity, you know, or there's the, the mother who maybe talks about being a single mom and how maybe she didn't know the lessons in that moment, but now in reflection, she has some tidbits of information she wants to share. And so it has been, and the wild thing about it all, I don't know, wild's the right word, but is that my husband had been telling me for years to launch a podcast. So last December, not as in December, 2020, but December, 2019, um, at the end of the month, right before New Year's, we just had like a little, we always do these powwows of, of the business and what's next. And he's like, you really, you really need to embark on the podcast. And that's where it came. All right. So happiness through hardship is the best, next evolution is going to be about sharing inspirational stories, whatever background. We had no idea COVID was going to hit. We had no idea that this message, because to me, the message is, again, we, we're stressed. We all have hardship. And so when COVID hit, it was like, wow. At, at first, I actually, I changed the launch date. It was supposed to be April 2nd because that was Pretty Wellness's sixth birthday. Mm-hmm. And it was a perfect next evolution. But it felt like we were so in the midst of all the newness of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the end of May, it really felt like people were starting to better understand, get, figuring out what those words we use, the pivot, the new normal. And so that's when... We, we launched it officially. 
And I've gone, I, I haven't taken a break. I took one week off for the holidays, but, you know, with, with some things going on in the world, I think, you know, my heart like took a break to showcase other voices at different points because I felt like the world maybe needed that. It's a heartfelt business. And so I think my corporate career there is was definitely a recipe for success. Being an entrepreneur, there's a different recipe, at least for me. And so we've been, we're on our, you know, at the date of this recording, uh, we're, we're on our 37th release or drop, we'll say. Yeah. And I'm doing it every week. And I'm trying to think to myself, like, you know, as a person, I need to figure out some times for a break. But as you know, especially this topic we talk about, Mm -hmm. it is fun and inspiring for me. I do the research on the people and I hear their stories like you get that. But then to talk to them, I feel like I get something out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. And We want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Strategic Hype. When people ask you about your business, what do you say? How do you describe your products or services? Are you selling yourself short because you just can't put it into words? You're good at what you do, but it's not always easy to communicate how you're great at your work with simplicity. But now you have help. My friend, Andrea at Strategic Hype, will help you clarify your mission and communicate your value with a hype kit. This process will help you cut through the noise and share the best of what you do. Made possible by recently brought Andrea on to create a hype kit for us. And I am so excited to see it based on other things I've seen her do for small businesses, large businesses, nonprofits, and churches. For details on all the good stuff you get out of this hype kit, email Andrea at strategic hype.com or reach out to us directly at madepossibleby.us and we will get you connected. It's about, we, we, I mentioned earlier all the shows that you've been on, Dr. Oz, um, Home Family, Wendy Williams. Share some of your favorite tips to help people with their health, maybe a few healthy hacks, um, surviving COVID. What, what would you all say? Right. So I love talking about this. And so we could do like five different podcasts on it. So I'm going to, I'm going to try and and give you a few, uh, a few really quick tips. And this comes from say a wellness perspective. I think everybody can take small steps. So wherever you are in your health journey, know that start with the little things. I always talk about small steps as if it's, um, you know, literally one foot in front of the other, because that's what I've done so much in my life. However, I actually created an acronym for the small and the A in the small is about adding things to your life first. And so what I want to tell people is that when you're looking to make these healthy changes, whatever they might be, if it's clean eating, if it's adding mindfulness to your life, if it's, if it's stepping up your workouts, whatever that might be, add to your life first. Don't t- strip the things away because then it's going to stress you out and it may not last for the long haul. Um, the other thing, the M, I'm doing it a little backwards and, and I won't necessarily go through it. People, um, you know, they, they can come and they can find out more information if they're interested, but the M is be mind- mindful of your schedule. And because when you're looking to make take small steps, you got to know what's going on in your life to be able to fit it in, right? And know if you're a parent, 
this might change on the weekends versus the week. Or hey, if you're a person that that, that works or just it, wherever it might be, you're a person living in life, your weeks and weekends might be different. And so be mindful of your schedule and making those changes. Uh, you know, in terms of like the little tips that I think when I talk about adding to your life, I love to tell people if you want to feel better when I made all my changes after my stage four diagnosis, when I started to eat clean, when I started to eat more fruits and vegetables, add them to your meal, wholesome, raw, cooked, however you want it. I felt differently when I started hydrating more and not, uh, not the pretty beverages, like not your diet drinks for sure. Not your, you know, even I, I like drinking herbal teas. I like drinking teas, but drinking like solid water, not even so much seltzer, although you can, it still helps with the hydration but you can get bloating from some of the other drinks. And if you want to feel optimal, flush your system with tons of water. I will tell people, if nothing else, start your day out with a warm water and lemon. Mm -hmm. I, it helps detoxify your system. It, it you know, it gives you a, a bit of energy or, or vitamin C, which is helpful. So I, I think adding fruits and vegetables, hydrating more, and I, I say when it comes to healthy hacks, what are simple things that you can do that can add some of these to your life? I, I will say my two favorite ones are, one, I've got this smoothie healthy hack. And what that is, is create smoothies in bulk. I, you know, I do believe that when it comes to a, a, a juice, and that's different, juicing versus smoothies, but juicing, drinking it right away taste the best as the most is most nutrient dense. Although two days later, there's still tons of nutrients, just not as tight. Smoothies can do fine when you put them in the fridge or put them in the freezer. And, and so make smoothies in bulk, put it in the, in the fridge, take other ones, put them in the freezer. And then in the morning, pull it out at six, seven, eight in the morning. And by two o'clock, you're going to have a smoothie that's ready to eat. Or if there's still a few icicles in it, I call it smoothie ice cream. That's there how I got my Originally, I have a smoothie, smoothie, smoothie ice cream. So when you uh, say smoothie, though, you're not talking ice cream and chocolate syrup. You're talking fruit. No. Yeah. I am talking fruits, vegetables. I love smoothies. I have some great ones that I that I share on prettywellness.com or I have this um digital cookbook that smoothies and snacks of our favorites that my son and my husband will eat. And I've got this, I call it the kid approved green smoothies. If you are that a pumpkin spice kind of person, it's green, but it tastes like pumpkin spice and, and it's wonderful. So I love smoothies. The other hack is similar, but about soups. I'm a huge proponent of throwing a bunch of things in the instant pot you know, pressing the soup manual or the soup module. And then, you know, 45 minutes later, you've got soft vegetables, a lot of water that becomes the broth and you use an immersion blender mm -hmm. and there you've got a veggie soup. And what I do is I, it stays in the instant pot all day so I can have it as a snack. And then I put it in a pot. And so if I, I make it in bulk, I could put some in the freezer for later or I could put it in or, and, or I'll do some of that, put some in the fridge. And then the next day I have it and I bring it out. I had soup for breakfast this morning because it's cold and I want it, you know, on a rainy day, you want, you don't necessarily want a cold smoothie. You want a warm smoothie, which is soup. And so I had soup for breakfast. Nice. Nice. So where are you on, um, 
the intermittent, intermittent fasting. I know that's a little uh, segue. Yes. So where am I? Um, there's a lot of literature out there, how it's really helpful and healing. There's some people on various medications. It actually helps regulate that. I, I'm, I haven't done it myself. And that more has to do with my lifestyle and with all the healthy, and, and, but I will say I've considered doing it. It wasn't like there was something wrong in it and I decided not to do it. I just, with the way I live my lifestyle right now, I, it wasn't a priority to me. However, it is something I've thought about addressing because if nothing else, as, as we age and our bodies change, there's always different ways, whatever your goal might be, whether it's, you know, kickstarting your metabolism in a different way, or it's managing side effects that you might have from something chronic that, that one has. It's definitely an option out there that I will consider. I just am not doing it at the time, but I believe in it. Yeah. It's, it's just so interesting to me. I, I was in the fitness industry before I started doing Made Possible By. And, you know, forever, you have to have breakfast. You cannot skip breakfast. Breakfast is your most important meal. And now it's just the opposite. So it just always, it's, it's ever changing. It's a moving target. And it depends on individuals. It depends on what's going on in your right. life, what your body right. needs. Right. Uh, there's no straight formula for everybody, except we all need to eat fruits and vegetables and we all need to have okay. water, no matter what, right. no matter right, what's right, going right. on in your life, you right. need those two right. things for sure. Well, and the other thing I think is, a, is important just to mention, and we don't need to, to go deep in it, is that when I go out and I give webinars, now they're webinars or I do speaking engagements, people are always asking me for advice. And I will say to them, listen, I'm not your doctor. This is what worked for me. This is what I'm reading out there. But because our bodies are all different machines, what might work for me and you may not work for other people. And so use some of these tips to inspire you to make those changes, but then connect with a doctor, connect with a naturopath. Like they can be really helpful too. And so that can be a, a wonderful way to work on, again, taking small steps towards better health. Yeah. I, I'm from Boulder. So we're all about, you know, the the natural path and, you know, the, yeah. the oils and you uh -huh, know, whatever. Right. When I first moved to Oklahoma, I was telling my one of my, yes, I was telling one of my friends about something. And then they said, did the witch doctor tell you that? <laughs> no, not no. the witch doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Just right. Try it. Different. Yeah. Right. They tell people to try it. Exactly. Oh my gosh. So talk to us about the good you do in the world outside of just the, the healthy tips. You talked about giving back half of the um, proceeds from your book. Um, tell us about some other ways that you choose to give back. Oh, goodness. That is. Uh, I, I, so I told you about the, the cancer couch and I'm on the board there. And again, I give money back. Um, other good I do in the world, I feel like. I believe in little things, like I've said. And so this is for my, I think it starts small and I think it can be overwhelming to people. Oh, I don't have a lot of time. Like, yes, I do volunteer. I actually um, wrote a feature, which I, I, I really love about virtual volunteering oh, because nice. people think, you know, people think with COVID or depending on how once life opens up even more, what can we do? I'm not going to go in and do this. There are other ways that one can volunteer and it doesn't just have to be go in and, and work some that work with 
uh, soup kitchen or mentor in person, you can do all that from the side. So there are a lot of little ways that I try and do small things. The other thing I like to say a lot is that we all can start out with goodness, little things in the community. For instance, uh, I guess it was probably a year ago, I, we had these beautiful flowers that peonies that last what a week and, and I love them in front of our house. And so I said to my son, go grab all the Mason jars in our house. We're going to cut these and we are going to go around to some of our neighbors and friends Mm -hmm. and we are just going to leave them on their doorsteps. We're not going to, he's like, well, let me go get a piece of paper and write it, write a note. I'm like, I don't want to say who it's from. It's the small random acts of kindness Mm -hmm. that I am trying to instill in him. And I'm trying to continue for us to do. Mm-hmm. I I have a, somebody who this past week uh, brought to my attention that they're um, that that they were diagnosed with cancer, and so I reached out and I said, "Would you like me and a few friends to create a smile train?" So think of how with um, many times when somebody has an illness, the community comes together and they create a food train, a meal train, so that every day. And in this case, especially during COVID times where you, you're not going to necessarily have guests come over and like but bring your spirits, can we schedule through her treatment for the next two months somebody to connect or do a nice gesture every single day? And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. That could look like sending a meal or that could look like mailing a postcard or that could look like calling her and singing a goofy song, right? <laughs> like all these little efforts. Yeah. And by the way, that was me. And I, I left her a message <laughs> yesterday saying, saying, I can call and I can sing you a, sing you a song. Uh, so I, I think for me, it, it I, I, I'm having challenges in the day-to-day of COVID since I have a compromised immunity. Like I don't go anywhere in public. And so in some ways I'm doing less but in other ways, I'm, I'm, I hopefully am inspiring people to do more. The um, the other thing that means a lot, and I do this as a part of Pretty Wellness and, and a part of the podcast is I've created what's called the Grateful Game. And what it is, is an, a tool that people can use and play with their families and friends in an effort to start a gratitude practice. Mm-hmm. And it came from when my son was nine, I got a book that was a gratitude journal and I sat in bed with him at night and we'd write down what we were grateful for and why. But then it was like night and the light was on and it just didn't really work for us. And so we just started talking about it and he had gotten one of those fitness trackers. So he was like, okay, mom, you have two minutes. Tell me how many. And it started this game. So we started calling it the grateful game and the grateful game. And then when the podcast started, I was like, Hmm, this might be a great way to end the podcast on a positive note, because some of the stories that I had are really deep and are really heavy. And so it's a nice way to bring the podcast to a conclusion. And so, uh, we play the grateful game at the I, end of each podcast. And I love, I love that. it. I love that. We, we do something similar at dinner. Our families, we say, what are you thankful for today? What is something that wonderful that happened? And it may just be that yeah, you got to sleep five minutes longer this morning, or, you know, you know, that uh, somebody smiled at you, you know, just like, I love, I love the smile chain. It's the well, small things. 
right? Yes, it is the small things. And again, it has been who I am as a person, but I've also seen the science where a small act of kindness, uh, thinking of gratitude or things you're thankful for and appreciation can help shift your energy. So if you're having a bad day and, and you can tap into that, it helps with healing. It helps with making your day better. It helps you smile. And so that is what I'm trying to give back to the world. Not just in a, when times are really tough, because knowing that any given day, things might not be as cheery as you want them to be. No, absolutely. And and I love your perspective in that uh, giving back, connecting with your community. Yes, you donate the proceeds from your book. Yes, you you know you go speak to other people. You volunteer at things, but you're also just providing ways for people to to smile or to be grateful. I mean, it, like I said, it's the small things. Mm-hmm. So it is. I, yeah, I believe it. Give us the, the uh, pretty wellness, prettywellness.com. Yes. So I would love for people to stay connected because I love chatting about these topics. Um, the website's prettywellness.com. The Instagram, all my social media is at prettywellness. So I am I'm very... Uh, I use Instagram a lot and I share like today I shared a recipe. In fact, that was that soup recipe that I, uh, that I talked about. Uh, You know, I I try and share how I make simple, healthy choices. And so I do a lot of that in the stories and and on my feed, I try and provide inspiration. The podcast is happiness, the hardship, the podcast, and it's on um, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all um, where you would listen to your favorite podcasts. And so, you know, I, I encourage people to reach out and share stories or ask questions and just makes us, I guess, a little bit happier. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being available to people. I mean, that's not all authors are available to people. Very often they go hide away somewhere and, and, and don't want to connect with anybody. So thank you for being available. Well. Thank you for having me here to share my story. Yeah. I love that you start with adding things to your life instead of taking things away. Because I think when we start thinking wellness, you automatically think, right. what, I ha- what do I have to give up? So tell right. me where you stand on chocolate. Uh, well, it depends from what perspective. If you, uh, I try and limit sugar, especially the refined sugar. And so what I do is I will eat a dark cacao, usually 85%. There's less sugar. Some of the chocolate I will have, it is sweetened with maple syrup or uh, it's not like a conventional Hershey bar that I eat. Mm-hmm. There is a bar that one of my podcast guests had told me about it called The Good Chocolate. Now there's a little bit, I think it's... um erythrosol or, or stevia in it, that I'm not a proponent of those, um, you know, fake sugars, but, but, uh, I I did taste it. I thought it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. I will make my own. I'll use cacao beans and grind them or cacao powder. And then I'll use maple syrup to sweeten or dates, medjool dates are great to sweeten. And I'll make my own avocado mousse, which is mm-hmm. kind of like chocolate mousse, yeah. adding a bit of vanilla in there. I will make my own fudge, which is super high in calorie and super fattening because of the coconut oil, but it's all natural and it's delicious. So, 
but I get that not everybody's there. Not everybody wants to take that time. And the other thing is, is like decide your, what your um, sometimes foods are. That's what mm-hmm. I, I will say is that do the best you can and make your sometimes food count if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I have chosen that my sometimes food is not Hershey's chocolate, even though I used to love it, right? My sometimes food is other, are other things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big chocolate girl. So that's one of my, my things, but I do love the avocado uh, mo- chocolate mm-hmm. mousse with the cacao. I do love that. I do love anything with uh, coconut oil too. We've made the fudge, the chocolate with the coconut oil. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's Good Girl Chocolate, too. She's got some good, healthy stuff out there, too. All right. You've heard of Good Girl, but she's... All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's great. She's great. So give us your motivational statement. What do you want to leave us with today? What I want to leave you with is to know that no matter how hard life gets in front of us in the future or looking at the past, I truly believe that there are ways to choose the little joy during whatever journey that is you have in life. It may be hard. It may take work. But I believe that it can all help us find, as I call it, a little bit of happiness through the hardship. That's great. Well, thank you again, Karen, for taking the time to be with us today. I know that you are super busy. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. This was really fun. Good. And thank you for joining us for another conversation around good. I'm Tracy with Made Possible By. We love to share stories of good. We love to make good loud. If you know of an individual organization or a business that is doing cool things in their community, please reach out to us today so we can share their stories of good. Thank you for listening in to another episode of the Made Possible By podcast. Made Possible By helps make community giving easy. The businesses we serve love to give back to their communities with their time, product, and cash. It's rewarding, but not easy. So let us help you continue to do good in your community.